HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My Family Recipe is a new podcast from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network, bringing you cherished heirloom recipes and the stories behind them. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. This is our 306th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an internationally renowned lifestyle guru, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. And then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to know what your customers want before they do. Now, this advice actually comes from my guest today, as it's it's something that he not only preaches, but practices. Anticipating what clients need in advance is key to providing the best customer service and creating the most memorable experiences that will go beyond all expectations. So let's focus on foreseeing the future and being proactive, as that feeling of being extra taken care of is priceless. That's my tip today. Now, I'm super excited to have my guest joining me. It is Colin Cowie. He is the CEO and founder of Colin Cowie Lifestyle. Colin, who arrived in the U.S. from South Africa in 1985, is respected around the world as an arbitrator of style. He has been at the forefront of event and wedding planning for the past 25 years, creating trends and raising the bar for providing the ultimate guest experience. In addition to Oprah Winfrey, his celebrity clients include Jennifer Lopez, Ryan Seacrest, and Kim Kardashian, and his corporate clients include Warner Brothers and CBS. Colin recently launched Thrive Hospitality, a guest experience brand, and he has a new book, The Gold Standard, Giving Your Customers What They Didn't Know They Wanted. Without further ado, hi, Colin. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. So happy to be with you. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking time to join me. I've been a 
a fan from a, a distance for a very long time. <laughs> and I'm just thrilled to, to chat with you and hear, hear about your story um, and about your new book and everything that's going on. So let's start with your background a bit. Um, tell us what it was like growing up in South Africa and what eventually led you to move to the U.S. So I was born in Central Africa, Zambia, uh, where I spent my early childhood and then lived in South Africa. And at the height of apartheid, I really did not believe in the future of South Africa. I didn't believe it was a fair political system. And I didn't want to spend my hardest working years in a country that I thought didn't know what the future was going to be. And all of, all of our bank accounts and everything were monitored. It was pretty much a living, like living in a police state. So I decided on the 15th of September, 1985, with one well-cut suit, an omnipresent suntan, big dreams, and $400, I emigrated to the United States. Wow. And I had no idea what I was going to do, but I knew that I wanted to be in the entertainment industry, not necessarily in front of the camera, but producing. And I started off working for a small caterer. And then I learned very quickly where the rentals came from, who did the flowers, where the markets were. And six weeks later, I opened my own business. And uh, you know, I had no idea that I was going to get to live such an extraordinary life. But it's been unbelievable from that day forward. And here we are, 35 years later, and I am as energetic and as passionate today as I was the day that I arrived here. Wow, amazing. So when you moved to the US, you moved to Los Angeles? I moved to Los Angeles first, and I will spend my first 13 years there. I still have offices there. And then I moved to the East Coast uh, to live in New York and currently also have a home in Miami, an office in Miami. So I spend my time between the two. Ah, Miami is my hometown. It's great. And it's, Miami is going through such a huge change right now. It's incredible to see. So many people have moved to Miami. Yes. And it's wonderful to wake up with that sunshine every morning. <laughs> Well, it's, but the heat too. I mean, it's, it has the 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 humidity, which is different than Los Angeles. But definitely, the sunshine is very appealing. Without a doubt. So, when you started your your own business, how did you how did you get your first client, and how did you get tied in with the celebrity world? Great story. So, I had to do whatever I needed to do to make money. And one of the things was a friend of mine and myself were teaching cooking lessons at the Beverly Hills High School adult program. And one of the clients was a lady who was the husband of the president of Playboy. And Hugh Hefner was about to get married. And they asked me if I'd be a food consultant. So I went up to the Playboy mansion and I saw this beautiful, fabulous English Tudor home set in the most exquisite gardens. And uh, they told me what their menu was. And it was like fajitas and buffets. And oh my God, it was too terrible for words. <laughs> so I said, you know, if I were to design this, this is what I would do. And this is what I would serve and how I would serve it. And the next minute, someone more important came to hear my story. And I told the story maybe three or four times. And the fourth time, I had it down. I had a great pitch down. I knew exactly what I was going to do. And there was Hugh Hefner in his pajamas. It was 12 weeks before the wedding. He said to me, can you do this? I said, of course I can. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But um, it turned out to be the most incredibly successful event. And I had no clue, really, how important the world's most famous bachelor was at the time. 
And the amount of press that was generated was insane. And that kind of really led me to start working with celebrities. And then in, from that point onwards, it was at the height of the careers, Bruce Willis, Demi Moore, you know, Tom Cruise, Barbara Streisand, uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you name them, they all became my clients. And I became this go-to guy. And they would ask me everything from not only doing their parties and events, but where to travel and where to go and what to do. I spent my whole life traveling. And as a result, in the early days, even before it was called Lifestyle, I called my business in 1985, Colin Cowie Lifestyle. Same name we have today. Wow, that is a great story. It's, a, it's very cool. Um, and how did you get connected with Oprah? Was that from, from a, going on her show? Yes, my very first book, Effortless Elegance, was, which was an entertaining cookbook. Uh, my publicist pitched it to the show, and they said that they'd love to have me on the show. So I introduced the book, and that was the first time I got to work with Oprah. And then my second book, and then I got to design and produce a series of events around her 50th birthday. And they were just incredible. And I ended up doing almost every single party that I think that she's ever done, particularly the very big ones. And I think not only of the milestone birthdays, but really what was incredible was when we did the Legends Ball in 2005, when she honored the 20 living African-American legends and the 40 up and coming. It was just the most extraordinary event imaginable. And of course, you know, Sydney Poitier's 79th birthday, Quincy Jones, you name it. And we had an incredible, incredible, incredible amount of parties and work that we did together. I can honestly say that she was probably had the biggest effect on my career. Yeah, well, not not surprising to hear that. And yes, I'm just I'm just smiling listening to you as you name all these celebrities and events because it's it's quite a list. And I know you're only touching on a, on a little smidgen of them. Um, and I also have to say, I have sitting on my, my desk here, Effortless Elegance, your book, which I've had for, I've had it for a very long time. I lived in Chicago before New York in the late 90s, and I know I had it then. So um, it, it made- So you're aging both of us, you're aging both of us, my dear. <laughs> but it was, it was an amazing book. And I, I called it Effortless Elegance because I think there's nothing worse than when you go to someone's house and they don't have it together, and it's a stress for them. I thought to myself, you can't be elegant unless it's effortless. So it's about getting yeah. as much done in advance so that you can come up with a smart plan that allows you to be a guest at your own dinner party versus chained to the kitchen stove. Yeah, well, it's true. Well, some people, like yourself, you have a natural um, gift for it, that it's, um, and other people, it is it is more of an effort. But, yeah, your book definitely is is that 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 um, source for people to, to help them make it look effortless like you do. What, um, what's your process with, with events and working on when you work on these celebrity events? Like how long does it take to put together? Um, and what, what do you do that you say is different than, than other event planners and makes you, you stand out? Cause you certainly do. Well, I've been doing this for a very long time. And, and so, you know, the, the process is, and if you were to look, on any of the photo galleries on colincowielifestyle.com, you'll see a lot of my work and you'll notice that no two projects ever look the same. So I'm a very good and a very careful listener in the first meeting. I like to listen as much as I can. And then when you look at the events, you'll see that I am the storyteller and I tell your story and I always start with your DNA. 
so that everything, every decision that we make, it's categorically, totally, utterly, 100% about you. And so each party is always very different because of a different source and a different nature. And then what we do is, is once I get the idea down, we, you know, we take all the information. Sometimes they've got interest, uh, Pinterest pages, Instagram pages they want us to look at, or things that they've pulled from other magazines. I ruthlessly edit through that, and I, put, I tell them their story through a series of mood boards, one for the overall event, one for welcome, maybe one for a ceremony, for cocktails, for the, uh, the dinner and the dancing. And uh, we go backwards and forwards until we make sure that we love every single image, while simultaneously, together with my art department, we start to create floor plans, we start to generate renderings, we start to pull fabrics and swatches, so we start to build this thing creatively. And then we give the client a critical path from the day we start to the day of the event. So they never have to worry, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? When do the save the dates go out? They get to see that we've thought of everything and we have a plan and a map to get there. We then establish a budget and then the work starts. And, and then I tell the client at any time along the way, if we've exceeded the budget, we will let you know. And when we give you the final proposal, We'll give you a budget for what you had asked for, and there were four or five items that didn't make it into the budget. We'll list it as an a la carte menu, and you'll be able to pick from those should we want to move forward with some of those ideas. It's very important when you're spending other people's money for them to feel like and understand that it is completely transparent and everybody gets to, to see where the, where the funds are spent. And then we do something rather unique. We do what we call a creative presentation. And the creative presentation is... We set up a sample of the tables, you know, one round, one square, a portion of a long one. They get to sit at the table, make sure the flowers aren't too high. We get to change out flowers, swap things out. We have additional linens and things on hand. And at the end of that session, they are 100% happy knowing what the look and feel of the wedding or party is going to be. And this does two things. It gives them peace of mind knowing what they're going to get. And it gives me peace of mind knowing that what we've interpreted is exactly what the client is looking for. And then we take a big deposit and the project goes into production. And then we start to, you know, the team is fully assembled and then all the work starts to come in. And it's a very, very, very exciting process. I really love what we do. Yeah, I can tell. And it's smart. Your approach is very smart. And and um, I realized I, I kind of asked the question for my last guest, but let me... We might have more to add to what you what you just touched on. So let me ask the question. Um, on episode 305, I had on David Burke. He's one of the most respected chefs in modern American cuisine. And he wants to know, how do you stay ahead at events? Where do you find props, design elements, and the wow factors? How do you keep out doing yourself? And he also noted that he met you a couple of years ago at an event in Saratoga, a food and wine event. Correct. We collaborated together. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. So you do, you do recall. Um, so that was his question. And he also asked how you're doing. <laughs> doing really, really well. And so how do we stay ahead? You know, um, I've traveled 15 and a half million miles around the world. I've visited many, many countries. Wherever I go, I'm constantly inspired. Like I'm working in our consulting business, our Thrive Hospitality, where we work with resorts and hotels and we create you know, culinary concepts and programming for them. So I was really on a big search for Mediterranean cuisine. So wherever I go, my camera is out. I'm always taking pictures. And so I'm inspired by everything that I see. But the majority of my inspiration comes from travel. 
So I'm always trying to find out what are other chefs doing? What am I seeing in the world of flowers? What's happening in interior design? How do we stay ahead of things and do things that are new and different so it's always fresh? And that's why I say if you look at the body of work, no two things are ever the same. Each time it's an opportunity to tell a new story with a new set of ingredients. It never gets tired. Yeah, well, it's very cool. Um, so let's talk a little about this past year and a half and 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 because I know with the events, events went on halt for a little bit with uh, the pandemic and and then you you have a new book out, the gold standard. Um, so so first tell tell us a bit. It's about- a really it's a very it's a very interesting story because. I got married in South Africa on the 22nd of February in, 19, in 2020 and had this extraordinary wedding. Who did your wedding? You know, did you do your own wedding? I know this great guy, Colin Cowie. He helped me. <laughs> I'm thinking like you, yeah. I had my team from Los Angeles, from New York, and a local team in South Africa help us with the production. And, uh, you know, it was seven days. We moved, I guess, four times. And it just really was an extraordinary event. So I got back from the wedding. And literally five days later, we were in lockdown. And two days later, I watched millions and millions and millions of dollars of income just disappear or be postponed to 2021 or 2022 or beyond that, which was, you can imagine, was a very sobering uh, situation to be in. I then decided to use my very smart and wonderful team and create a pivot where I looked to developers and people who were working within resorts, who were refurbishing resorts, and I thought to myself, I've got five or six incredible skills that I can put under one umbrella, and I reached out to three people, and by the 8th of June, I had one signed contract. 45 days later, I had a home and an office in New York, I say in, my, in Miami, I now have five major clients that I'm working on, and the parties and events have come back. So out of my darkest moment came one of my brightest lights, and I developed an entire new revenue stream, which was very exciting for me. So we've been busier than ever before. And in addition to that, I got to complete my book, The Gold Standard, giving your customers what they didn't know they wanted. And I'd started to write the book pre-pandemic because... How do we stand out in the crowd really is the goal. I'm sure you agree with me, Sherry, that we don't need another product. We don't need another service. We don't need another app or another piece of technology, right? We're over-assorted in all those areas and completely saturated. So the idea was, let's figure out how do you stand out for yourself. So I completed the book during COVID, and I realized that everything that I'd written pre-pandemic had never made more sense than now because the pandemic had cleaned out a lot of the clutter. But along the process, the remaining businesses, sometimes your message changed, your product changed, or your website changed, your working conditions changed. Some people were working from home. Some people had a hybrid idea. And one of the chapters in the book, right as we get started, is the importance of having your team aligned so that you can have a strong, rich culture to be able to deliver the type of customer service that I talk about. And I realized with everybody having changed their businesses, this was the right time to focus on your vision and refocus on your mission statement and your guiding principles. 
And therein lies, you know, the genesis of the book. And the idea behind the book is there are two different types of customer service in the world. There's reactive service. So when something goes wrong, some other puts up their hand to fix it and they buy some loyalty or there's proactive service. And that's where the magic lies. That's where we get to anticipate the unanticipated needs of the guest. That's when the magic happens. And when you look today at social media and what we can find on the internet, we can find out so much information about other people and you can use that information to craft a guest experience that we know is going to resonate with them. I call it the seduction because I use the senses of what you smell, touch, taste, see and hear. The goal being to create an emotional connection with that client. And if you can have an emotionally connected client, you have loyalty, they love to shop with you, they love to receive information from you, they're not price sensitive, and most importantly, they tell all their friends about you. So that really, therein lies the goal of why we want to produce this type of customer service. And there's many ways to do it. You know, there was a gentleman who was flying to Paris, and at JFK, he couldn't get the Pepsi-Cola that he was looking for, and he tweeted about it. The team picked up on this, and when he checked into his hotel in Paris, there was an ice bucket filled with cans of Pepsi. Right? Small things, you look for the opportunity to create the connection. Or someone goes on your Instagram account and finds that you're madly in love with your dog, they know you're not trotting with the dog, they print a picture of the dog, and they put it next to your nightstand. Those are the things that we're talking about, the things that really make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's going that extra mile for people and, and it's, yeah, it's making them, making them feel very special. And your book, which I've been reading through, it's, it's, it, it's wonderful. It has so many, I mean, the tips and the, the colonisms, which, which have come out of the book and, and the stories that you tie in through it is, um, it's a great read. Um, and, and I think it's, 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 and I, I'm pretty sure I know you'll agree with this. It's it's meant for anyone. It's not, you know, it, it can apply to, I think, any industry or any profession or just just a way of life. That's the beauty of that completely, because, you know, whether you're running a manicure salon or you're running, you know, a hotel chain with 10 different properties, the same principles apply. And I know there are things in there that I learned the hard way. You know, I used to be a creative director for NetJets and I was tasked with Project Open Checkbook to create the most luxurious brand in the world, which is something I was so excited about. And, you know, the easy part was picking out the Laura Piana cashmere outfits and blankets for the planes and rethinking how the bar would be stocked and what our catering would look like and what the guest experience would be. And then I realized the most important thing was the team. The team of the people. You're the ones that bring it alive. You're the ones that give it a voice. It's very easy to build and design, but it's people that bring things alive. So I started to focus then on the customer service. And one of the things I had to do was, how did I get everyone, wherever you got on your private jet, anywhere in the world, how could I guarantee the same greeting every single time that you were there? So what I did was I came up with a thing we called the three fives. Five things we do to get ready for the service, five things we do while we're delivering the service, and five things that we do after that service to, to set, to regroup, and, and, and to reset. And so what we did, like a, a good example would be, you know, you'd have a pilot walking into a crowded FBO, which is you know where the planes come in and go out of, 
and you know, put his hand and say, who's flying to Aspen? Well, there wasn't nothing really very luxurious about that. So what we did was we sent them a text. They saw a picture of Mr. Smith so that they could walk into a crowded FBO, their hat on their head, not chewing gum, no dark glasses on, top button done, at 10 feet, break a smile and connect with you, at 5 feet, put out your hand. So those were like the first three fives. Then the second three fives were to make that connection and to say, by the way, Mr. Smith, you might not remember, but I flew in your, you and your family to San Diego for Thanksgiving a year ago. Let's make our way to the plane. We'd get on the plane. We'd review the flight plan. We'd review the catering for them. We'd take off. We'd come back and check on them to make sure catering was taken care of. And the last five in the middle would be to go over the ground transportation. And the valuable last five was when they got off the plane, we wanted to hear from the flight attendant, what did you learn, right? Did they say anything that we could use to craft a better service for them next time? We'd speak to the driver who drove them and the person who took their luggage to the car. So that's how we came up with this particular tool. And I've used this in so many industries. How do we get ready for something? What do we do when we love? And how do we reset when we're done? And, 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 and there enough, these are some of the tools that I put in the book. Also talk about luxury in the book. A lot of people ask me today, what is luxury? Well, luxury used to come in an orange box with a brown saddle stretch ribbon that we all got excited about, or maybe a Tiffany blue box with a white satin yeah. ribbon. But I don't think luxury is a product anymore, you know, because we can find those things in train stations and airports now. And luxury, as far as product is concerned, has become very democratized. You know, sure, you can buy a cashmere blanket from Laura Piana for $3,000, but you can also get one from, from Uniqlo for $129 or for $300. So it's not about products. I think it's about how I make you feel. So my interpretation of luxury today is when all the senses of what you smell, touch, taste, see, and hear are all in harmony with one another and you want for nothing. That's luxury. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And I was, I mean, it's, it's when, how I think about a lot with, with, I, I dine out a lot. I work with restaurants primarily and the experience and how, how restaurants or how service makes you feel. And another one of your, your colonisms, which I really liked was um, without consistency, you have no credibility. And I was thinking about that too, with restaurants, with consistency and how important it is and, and how, how true that, that statement is with service you have to do it every time some hopefully better than the last time but never less we have to have consistency without consistency you have no credibility when you've gone to a restaurant three times in a row and you told all your friends about it because you just found this great new dining experience you go the fourth time you think what is the new chef was the chef off today the services a bit off today they've just lost you so, you know, to deliver service like this is something, it's, it's, it's living and it's tangible. It doesn't stop. You work at it all the time, looking for opportunity to make the best guest experience possible. So then I thought to myself, what does a good guest experience look like? So I think the first thing we want to do is personalize it. It needs to be personalized so we create that personal connection with you, whether it's, you know, a beautifully handwritten note that's attached to a gift or your, how your name is written, or maybe if I'm providing a service to you saying, how would you like to be addressed? You know, are you Mr. Mrs.? Do you like to call yourself Pam? Do you like to call yourself doctor? It's very personal to ask someone how they'd like to be addressed. 
And then the next one is attention to detail, to show extreme attention to detail in anything that you're doing. Make sure that it stands out. And then I tell everyone, add a filter of elegance. Because every time you add a filter of elegance, you elevate this. You ele- sorry, you elevate the service naturally. You know, you can talk and you can talk elegantly. You can walk and you can walk elegantly. So that's a big one. Then we realize that teamwork and communication are the brothers and sisters of success. That's how we do the work. It's the team. It's the people that bring it alive. And how do you set up? The internal customer for success. The internal customer is the person who sits at the desk next to you. That's how we create teamwork. They're just as important as the external customer who's paying your bills. So we want to make sure that the teams are set up with good lines of communication so that you can communicate, network, and be able to work together as a cohesive team because it takes a lot of people to deliver service. And many parts of that service delivery might involve three or four different departments. So that's why teamwork and communication are imperative to the success of the service culture. And then finally, none of this happens and none of this works or stands for anything unless you have consistency. And you can't have consistency unless you've got good standards. Good standards are the things that keep us to do the right thing at the right time and hold us all accountable. And so that basically is how I look at the service delivery. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Before we take a break, one one more question: What is there anything about what you do, or or the uh, that you don't like, or the challenge? What are the biggest challenges that have come your way? Um, oh, how many hours do you have? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> they say that you teach in life what you need to learn the most. I mean, there's certain areas of the business that I'm not crazy about. I mean. HR is very difficult today. I mean, you're dealing with yeah. young people who are revolving door every six months. I want to try something new. I want to do something new. And you've invested all this time and energy working with them. And it's a revolving door, which is very frustrating. That, for me, I find frustrating. And right now, the most difficult part of all of our businesses is the pipeline is completely slow. Mm-hmm. Like So a lot of industries shut down for 18 months. And as they're restarting, they don't have enough labor, they don't have enough trucks, they don't have enough luggage, so they don't have an, 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 an enough yeah. inventory. So as a result, the supply chain is not there what it used to be, but the demand has never been bigger because love never goes out of style and love doesn't wait for anyone. And in the wedding world, every bride wants to get married now. You know, who's been on hold for the last 18 months. All of a sudden, Thursday and Sunday are the new Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, true. so I would I would say that, you know, that's probably the, the toughest part of the business for me. Everything else I, I like, I love. Okay. Well, yeah. Good answer. Good to know. And I'm glad. And it's true. Yeah. Events, everyone. They're, I know they're, they're back. <laughs> they're back. In a big way. In a big yeah. way. So, okay, so let's take a little break and we'll come back. We'll play my speed round game, talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience this week and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Good food is worth a thousand words. This is Arthi Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you My Family Recipe from Food 52 and Heritage Radio Network. Adapted from Food 52's much-loved column of the same name, 
the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it from voices across the world of food. We'd open these tubs of dough and they would exhaust these incredible yeasty fumes and it just smelled like nothing else. It was so intoxicating. I'll interview writers and chefs, parents and children about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love. Chinese people aren't like born with a download on how to like velvet chicken. You know, like that's not something that just like comes to you. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Colin Cowie. He is the CEO and founder of Colin Cowie Lifestyle, and he's an internationally renowned lifestyle and business expert. So, Colin, it is time for my speed round game. What this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? At home every time. All righty. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? I like alfresco in the summer months for sure. I don't know about alfresco dining in New York City in the middle of February, but I know people who have done it when the restaurants were closed and were wearing big jackets and having a four-course meal in 45 minutes. And you're talking to one of them right now. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> I don't know if it was a four-course meal, but I did I did do a few of those, those special yeah. outdoor dining experiences. Um, okay, uh, let's keep going. How about... Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? I'd like to start with champagne, have a martini, and then move to the wine. <laughs> Fabulous. Tasting menu or a la carte? Uh, a la carte, definitely. Small plates or large plates? I like small amounts of food on a large plate. It's much more yeah. elegant. It's a good one. Communal table or chef's counter? I love the chef's counter. I think that's always a great experience to sit there and have the chef cook for you. Yeah, it's my favorite too. Okay, a couple more. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? I love all-inclusive. It's so much easier. Um, and even if you go to an all-inclusive resort, you don't feel like you have to tip every five minutes. You give one big tip or it's all included or there's one line item at the end of the stay. I think that's much more fun. Okay. How about indoor weddings or outdoor weddings? Well, I happen to like both of them, but a lot of people are still very COVID shy and concerned. So even regardless of the fact that people are vaccinated and we have everyone tested, we have most people still requesting outdoor weddings. Yes. I mean, I'm always thinking about the, the weather factor, but I guess as a pro, you you have um, backup plans or plans <laughs> that you can figure that out. <laughs> okay. I have Oprah or Oprah as one of my questions because <laughs> I couldn't put Oprah up against anyone else. I'm sorry. Of course. There is only one. <laughs> and, and my last two are cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. 
and Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Excellent. That's the game. Well, I hope I passed. You did pass. <laughs> it was fun. It's, I always find it fun to hear people's answers. And, um, and yeah, it was great. So for industry news this week, I picked out an article. It actually came out a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't get a chance to talk about it on the, on the show. And I felt like I should or would. So the article is entitled, um, Jose Andres is starting his own production company. This was on Food & Wine uh, Magazine's website. And Jose Andres Media is developing a show for Discovery Plus and on looking to tell stories as creative, fun, inspiring, and authentic as our restaurants. And this was by Mike Pomerantz. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge Jose Andres fan, like everyone pretty much in the world. Um, this article starts that he's the term celebrity chef doesn't really do him justice. And so I thought this was exciting news that he's starting his own media company. Um, had you, did you see this news uh, previously? I read, I, I, funny enough, I did read about it. And when you think about it, he is a celebrated chef, but his humanitarian causes and what he's done in terms of disaster of feeding and taking care of people is incredible. Yes. In a, you read about something in the newspaper and 24 hours later, he's on the ground and they're feeding people and they're, and they're doing very, very valuable work. He's a very engaging man. So I would imagine that it would be a great show. And when you see some of the fun shows we're seeing about people who are promoting travel and promoting eating and dining around the world, they seem to be trending very well. So I think his timing is exceptional. And I would imagine the shows would be as interesting and colorful and as tasteful as what all of his restaurants are. Yes, I yes, I agree. I mean, I think it's very exciting and you're absolutely right. He is a huge humanitarian and I with World Central Kitchen and the efforts and that yeah, he he just all of a sudden there's some there's a tragedy and and Jose's there with his team. Yeah. And he's and 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 I've met him before. I've done a brief interview with him on the show and he's just he's just dynamic and Fabulous, and I know I'm. I'm very excited about this to see what types of programs come out. Um, I think it's um, it's you know to be something to 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 look forward to. Yes, definitely. So um, we will look forward to that, and congratulations to him and his team. And um, for my solo dining experience this week, I I picked a restaurant that I'd went to when I was in Los Angeles a couple months ago because I figured it tied into you, Colin, having your your start in U.S. in L.A. in your office out there. So the restaurant I went to is Damien. Here is the rundown. The location, 2132 East 7th Place, Los Angeles, California, in the Arts District. The concept, it's a modern Mexican restaurant rooted in Mexican culture while celebrating seasonal California produce. The chef and owner is Enrique Overa, and his chef de cuisine is Jesus Cervantes and general manager Anna Odermott. Why did I go? Well, I was out in LA and this had been an anticipated opening. It was a little delayed through the pandemic. Um, and I'm a big fan of, of um, Enrique's other restaurants. He has Cosme and Alta in New York City and Pujol in Mexico City. And I think some others too, but those are the ones I've been to. 
my experience. So I had an early reservation. I was warmly greeted. I was seated at a two-top on the banquette, sort of in the middle of the room. Um, lovely server. I met the manager, came over and chatted with me. Uh, the place had really good energy. I had a really nice time. So what did I get? I got the fish tartare tostada with avocado and furikake. Or I don't know if you pronounce that. That's how to pronounce it, but it's a seasoning. Um, octopus hirache with potato and chipotle mayonnaise. And then for dessert, I got hibiscus meringue, which had a strawberry flavor. My take, absolutely love the tostada, fresh and delicious. And the octopus potato combo was excellent too. And I have to say this dessert was just divine. Um, if you've ever been to Cosme in New York City, they have this famous corn husk meringue. And I think this is kind of like a new version of it uh, with the hibiscus strawberry flavor. And I just couldn't stop eating it. It was light. It was it was so flavorful. It was just fantastic. The ambiance. So it was, I'd say it's kind of minimalistic contemporary space. It is a transformed warehouse, um, kind of elegantly chic. It had polished concrete and exposed brick and wood accents and uh, some modern furniture. And it had um, an outdoor patio in the back of, with some concrete walls and lots of plant arrangements too. I'd say it's perfect for a dinner with friends or a date night. Interesting tidbit. Uh, Chef Overa also has a back alley taqueria in Los Angeles called Detroit, uh, with it's D-I-T-R-O-I-T, Detroit. Um, and it's serving traditional Mexican street food, also with the seasonal California produce. Um, another interesting tidbit or fun fact is uh, Cosme is ranked number 22 in the world on the world's best list, and Pujol is ranked number nine. So he's done very well with those. Uh, personal fun fact. On a past trip to Los Angeles before this one, it was several years ago, I went to Bestia, which is uh, a wonderful Italian restaurant. And it's on, it's pretty much directly across from Damien and on this little alleyway street where at the time when I went there, there was really nothing really happening as far as restaurants in this uh, LA arts district. And so it was nice to see that developing. And after dinner, I walked over to Girl and the Goat, which was about a 10 minute walk away and a stop by there. And um, there's, there's just more happening in this part of Los Angeles, which I like seeing. Okay, the cost of this meal was $57. That's not including tax or gratuity or their 4% health surcharge. Would I go back? Yes, and the website's Damien DTLA and Instagram at Damien DTLA. So there you go. Colin, have you been to Damien or any of um, his restaurants like Cosme? I've been to Cosme in New York uh, several times and enjoyed a really, really fabulous meal there. I think he's brilliantly talented, and I never realized it was rated number twenty, number two, on the on an international ranking. That's that's a huge, huge accomplishment. Yeah, twenty, how twenty-two. Do do? I don't know if I said that's, that's yeah. But how did you manage to get out there for less than sixty dollars when the tostadas are twenty-five dollars a piece? Well, I didn't. I didn't eat, I, my meal was pretty light. I had two, yeah. I just had two of the smaller plates and a dessert and I didn't have anything to drink. So that's how. Yeah, because yeah, the last time I worked there, we all had testadas and four testadas was $100. So I thought, wow. Yeah, no, I was, I, I like to try lots of restaurants when I travel. Yeah. And so I was, I purposely kind of went on the lighter side and I wanted to save room for dessert too. And um, yeah, it was, I mean, if you, if you were going to get a drink and 
more of a main course, it, it would have been over a hundred. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was fabulous. I recommend it. Uh, and it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Vicki Freeman. She is the partner, a partner of the Bowery Group, which is comprised of several market-driven restaurants in New York City, including Vic's Cook Shop, Rosie's Shuka, and their latest is Shuquette. Um, and this is along with her husband and partner, Mark Meyer, and partners, Anne-Marie McCoolig and Chris Perrig. Has Vedas, and I have to get those pronunciations right next time. Um, so, Colin, uh, can you please ask a question for Vicky? I didn't understand the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, the question to is to ask can you ask a question for Vicky? She has several restaurants in New York City, um, which perhaps you might, I don't know if you're familiar with Cook Shop. Of course, I'm familiar. I'm very familiar okay. with Cook Shop. Well, that's one of her restaurants. So any question you would like to ask her? I guess my question to her would, how do you come up and make all your menus completely authentic so there's no crossover from one restaurant to the next restaurant? And how do you keep it fresh? And how often do you change the menu? All, all very great questions, and I will ask them all. <laughs> um I love the way you segue from one episode into the next episode. You have this thread that takes you through. It's very well done. Thank you. Um, yes, I like I like tying it together that way. And then it's cool because when without knowing that David Burke knew you, um, he got to ask you a question. Yes. So, um, well, that's the show. And... I'm so glad we got to connect and uh, you're, you're incredible. I mean, your whole career, everything you've done, I wish you much continued success. I hope to attend one of your events one of these days. How about that? Let's make that happen. <laughs> yeah, let's make it happen. Um, yeah, they, I mean, it's everything I've, I've seen and read and know, I know the fabulousness is just, is, is there and happening. And you, so um Congratulations and and congratulations on the book too. It's really it's really wonderful. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you for wonderful questions. I mean, this time flew by very quickly. And uh, good luck with the rest of the show. And thank you for having me on. Thank you. My guest today has been Colin Cowie. He's the CEO and founder of Colin Cowie Lifestyle. You can find out more about his all of the events he does and about his new book, The Gold Standard, giving your customers what they didn't know they wanted, going to his website, colincowie.com and following him on social media at Colin Cowie and Colin Cowie and at Colin Cowie Lifestyle. And that's C-O-L-I-N-C-O-W-I-E. And you can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at all industry. My Facebook page is all in the industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and allintheindustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Kevin. And thanks again to Colin. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. 
All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.